Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. All right. How are we all going? Good? Pancakes were good? Pancakes were good on this half of the room. No one said anything over here. So yours were hotter over there, and by the time we got over here, they were a bit cold and awkward. Is that true? No, just me. Okay, cool. No, I didn't, I didn't even get one. Leon ate mine. Um, my name's Josh, if we haven't met. And um, tonight, honestly, I have a short space of time to sort of talk about what I, I feel God is doing uh, in us today. And, um, and sort of, I don't know, we're thinking about Pancake Sunday. And Pancake Sunday isn't even a thing. Can I just say that for, for a start? It's Pancake Tuesday. And we just like to do this thing where we go, Tuesday, that was a couple of weeks ago, but Sunday, this Sunday suits us. So we're going to, I forget hundreds of years of church history. Um, today is Pancake Sunday. That works for us. We're going there. Uh, in Poland, I found out from my father-in-law, they call it Fat Thursday. And I thought it was a, a comment on people's weight, but it's because they eat, um, they eat jam donuts, basically. So eating fatty food. And, and really the idea, you know, you're giving up your excess on this last sort of day, which was a few weeks ago, and then saying, and then, then moving into a time of, of fasting. And today is actually a day, really, I mean, it symbolizes a day of, it's kind of a dirty word, repentance. And it's not a word that we like to use much. And if you've ever had to repent to someone or even repenting to God, it's not the sort of thing we like to do easily. But it's something that we need to do. And so tonight, honestly, I, I kind of feel like instead of, going through a whole lot of stories and things. I've got a few, but I feel like I just want to get straight into it and let you know what God is calling us into and honestly give you an opportunity to do that. And, and I feel so strongly that God is calling His church to repentance and not repentance to say, you're really bad, you've done a whole lot of bad things, but to, it's, it's, it's a lifting up rather than a beating down. So we lay down ourselves and He goes, and I want to lift you up. I don't want to beat you down. So can I... I read, in the book of Joel, it says this. It says, a call to repentance. This is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in grief, but tear your hearts instead. It's a relief if you like the clothes you're wearing. Not a relief if you're trying to care for your heart. Return to the Lord your God, for He is merciful with, and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You might have, if you read your Bible for it, you might have heard these, this, this phrase talking about God, that He is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled, filled with unfailing love. He's eager to relent and not punish. Who knows? Perhaps He will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of a curse. Perhaps you'll be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God as before. It's interesting at the moment, we're in this season in the world where if you've been following the news or social media, you know that God is doing some interesting things around the world. And, um, and there's a move of God that's been happening in Asbury in the States, uh, which has been phenomenal. And there's been moves of God happening, uh, happening in other parts in Iran and parts of the world that we actually don't get so much social media coverage from. What's interesting about this move that's happening in Asbury 
Because each move that's happened, sort of movement of God around the world, that could be a revival or a move of God, is often marked by something. And this one, interestingly, is marked by peace. Anyone who's been there says it's not marked by sort of big outward expressions of the Holy Spirit or anything while it's actually marked by peace. It's almost as though God knew exactly what an anxious generation needed. And he brought exactly that. And interestingly, there have been people there for a long time been praying and saying, God, will you come here? We want you here. We want to see you move here. And repenting of, I guess, their apathy. And our pancakes, are, it's a funny reminder of that. We actually eat pancakes today. God, I'm eating pancakes as almost like a last-ditch effort to put it aside, put aside my distractions and say, God, I'm wholeheartedly yours. If it's a pancake that stands in the way of you and me, I won't eat pancakes for the next 40 days. You know? Hopefully that's not your thing. Otherwise, yeah. Maybe it might, might be. The, historically, what people have done is we'll have pancakes and then move into the, a season of Lent. And, um, and probably growing up, I didn't understand the season of Lent so well. And in the last few years, I, I really have. And taken it on as a personal, I guess, challenge to give up anything I enjoy in my life, just about, and to seek, to seek God. And each year, for the last few years, I've, I've invited different people to do that with me. And I'm amazed because a few people are like, I'm in straight away. I'm like, but you're giving up. Like, so the thing that I do is taking cold showers. Because every time you take a cold shower, you're like, oh my goodness, Jesus, I need you so much more than I realize. And giving up, you know, like alcohol and sweets and, and TV and, and all these different things. And not in a way to be religious, but in a way to say, Whatever stands between me and Jesus, that's what I want. Like, I want to get rid of that because I want Jesus. I don't want the thing that stands between me and Jesus. I just said that, but do you, do you know what I'm saying? And I believe God's call to us is not to say, I want you to be more religious and to do more stuff because you didn't earn your salvation and you don't have to do anything to earn that. He's saying, he's looking for hearts that would say, I want to remove any obstacle between me and God. And essentially today, our, our opportunity for repentance is that. that, that that's... That's my message, basically, saying, would you be willing to say, God, whatever it is that stands between you and me, I want that out of the way so I can experience you fully, so I can fully experience your presence in my life. Because our God is a good God. He's slow to get angry. He's rich and full of unfailing love. He cares about us. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance because he wants the best for us. So in Luke 4, we read about Jesus who is baptized full of the Holy Spirit, and, and this voice, the voice of God says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And then he's led out into the wilderness to be tempted. You might have heard this story. And often we think it's strange that Jesus, often you might think Jesus is led out by, by Satan, by the devil to be tempted. But, but it's the Holy Spirit who, the language is almost like compels, or almost drives him out into the desert. It's as though he had to go to the desert to face something. Now, when we think about Satan, the accuser, the way he works is rarely face-to-face combat. But Jesus went out to face him face-to-face. Generally, the way he works is through lies and deceit. He plants lies and deceit, and he tries to... He, it's, it's essentially dirty warfare. But it's almost as though Jesus was saying, I'm not going to wait until you come out from behind whatever filthy rock you're hiding behind. I'm going to come and face you head on. I'm going to remove all my comforts, all my distractions, and I'm going to face whatever it is that could stand between me 
and the plan God has for my life. And that's essentially what it does. And Satan comes and brings three temptations that Jesus overcomes. Now, interestingly, I just feel like I have to say this because I've heard people say this wrong. Temptation is not sin. It can be if you allow it to. But if you're tempted, it doesn't actually mean you are sinful. It makes you human. If temptation was sin, it would mean that our salvation is worthless because Jesus was tempted. Now, honestly, I've heard people say in last last few months, they're kind of thinking that if you're tempted by something, that makes you, we're all sinners. But to be tempted means that you're alive, okay? And that gives God an opportunity to do something with you. And so we take our temptation and Jesus was able to overcome that. And so one way in, in this desert season, it's being aware of what our temptations are. What are the things that actually could stand between us and God and I guess doing away with them in a sense, or doing whatever we can to. And so, so the Holy Spirit draws Jesus out uh, to, to the desert and he faces this head on. And, and essentially that's what Lent is. And we, if you read about the desert fathers who were back in the sort of second to fourth century, they did this back then. They would go out into the desert and say, I'm putting aside all comfort and security to be able to be someone of strength. Because when they looked at the world, they could see that the world then, the world was in need of rescuing. But they're like, I can't rescue you if I'm going down with the ship. So I thought, well, I actually need to remove myself for a time to gain strength. So essentially, what we're moving into, like the season of Lent, is essentially that. You're going, how do I remove myself from certain things in order to build strength so that when I come out of this season, I actually have something to offer the world? Because there's a marked, marked difference in my life. I don't just look like everyone else. One of the Desert Fathers said this, it is not possessing something that is harmful, but being attached to it. We all have nice things, but essentially going out to the desert is doing away with our attachments to the world. So I guess, question for you, what, what are you willing to tolerate? Like, you know when you, maybe if you think about your friends, think about even the people you might know at your table, you know some people are like willing to tolerate a whole lot and other people aren't willing to tolerate very much. I was on a plane coming back from the States. It was a school trip. And somehow I was sat next to a student I didn't know super well. And she hopped on the plane, sat next to me, kicked off her shoes, which I quickly realized she wasn't wearing any socks. And we'd been in the States in summer. It was hot. Tucked her feet up next to me and fell asleep. And actually, no, she didn't fall asleep straight away because there was a, a time where I sat there going, first of all, I was like, what is that smell? Because we shouldn't take off. In fact, one time I was on a plane and my brother went to the toilet and discovered that they weren't working. It was a flight from London to New York and the flight was actually grounded because just before we took off, he discovered they weren't working. That would have been interesting. And anyway, so there's this smell and I didn't know this girl well enough to go, what is wrong with you? Deal with that filth before, you know, like, you know. And I sat there and I tolerated it. And I thought I was going to die. Like, the smell was so bad. And I was sitting there going, this, this is inhumane. Like, this is, this is worse than airplane food. This is, this is worse than, like, we were in some poor areas of LA. I was like, this is way worse than anything I experienced. This is horrific. And finally, she fell asleep. And I feel like it took forever. And so I quickly grabbed a blanket and just shoved them over the feet and the smell kind of disappeared a bit. And I was like, oh, 
thank you. And then I think I arranged a swap with someone. No, no, someone wanted to sit there. I was like, please, by all means. But, you know, sometimes we can tolerate things, like for whatever reason, we're happy to just go along with it. And we go, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll deal with it. My grandma was the exact opposite. And much to our family's embarrassment, if we were anywhere and anything wasn't right, she would not tolerate it. You're at a restaurant, the meal wasn't right, bang, she's talking to someone. And some guy's just about to lose his job because she's like, we will not tolerate this. And we're all sitting there going, no, no, mama, it's, 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 it's totally, it's, it's all cool. Like, uh, you know, and yeah, I will, I'll eat it. It's the wrong meal. I don't care. It's not a big deal. And when it comes to our faith, sometimes we can be people who tolerate a whole lot. And we, we tolerate apathy. We go... There's this opportunity for the presence of God to manifest his life in my life. And I go, yeah, cool. I'm apathetic. I sort of just tolerate a blasé existence. And he's saying, honestly, God's invitation to you today is, how long will you tolerate apathy? How long will you tolerate not experience the fullness of what I have for you? Not as a condemnation, but to say, I want more for you. Like, I want more. I believe that God is saying to you today, I want more for you. I want more than the, than the comfortable existence. Newcastle is amazing. Anyone who visits, I'm like, this is the promised land. It's, I love it. But with this place comes a sense of comfort and security. And we have beautiful beaches and, and we have a great, a great lifestyle. But there's this sense of comfortableness that comes with it. A.W. Tozer said this. I had read this recently. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. Yeah, it's like a, a, a knife. Maybe a velvet sledgehammer because it's kind of soft sounding, nice words, but it crushes you. And Augustine said this, God has promised forgiveness to your repentance, but he's not promised tomorrow to your procrastination. He's not promised forgiveness to your repentance but not tomorrow to your procrastination. And we just put these things off and we go, I'll never fully deal with it. I'll just put that to the side. I'm not going to deal with it. And I honestly believe that God's call to us today is he's saying, I want to move among you. I want to do something beautiful and great. There, there's a parable that Jesus told of, of someone who, a merchant looking for pearls. And he found this amazing pearl. And he went home and he sold everything he had to get the pearl. Everything. All he's left with is a pearl. You go, I'm like, I'm not into pearls. I don't get it. But the point is, he got rid of everything he had because he realized that that was actually the most important thing. That was it. And um, God is saying to us today, what are you willing to get rid of for me? for my heart are you willing to say all I am for all you are I just I, that's what I was driving here. All, I've had that actually on my mind for years I think just all I am for all you are what will I move out of the way say God all I am here for all you are and Satan wants you to tolerate he wants to sabotage you and I believe that Jesus is calling the church of Jesus Christ back to Jesus Christ. He's saying, will you give me your heart again? Will you come back? As it says in the book of Joel here, turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. 
He doesn't want to see you tear your clothes. He wants to see us tear our hearts and go, yeah, I've realized that, that there's an area of sin that I have and I need to deal with it today. Or maybe there's an attachment and it's like a good thing, but I've allowed it to get in the way of knowing Jesus. And Jesus wants your heart. He wants your attention. He wants your life. And He wants it because He has the best for you. And honestly, the word repentance is not a great word. And I feel like we could have just eaten pancakes and just had a great time. But I honestly believe that God is saying to you, will you be willing tonight to repent of anything that stands in between you and I? Not so I can beat you down and put you down because of it, but because my aim is to lift you up, to fill you with my power and my presence. And we're going to we're gonna sing in a second. You are? You're going to sing? You're gonna, we're going to sing? You're going to sing? And then we're going to take communion together. And Sam Paul is going to come and lead that. He has such a beautiful way of doing that. But I, I want to invite you to something. It might be a bit scary and a bit weird. If you want to, when you take communion tonight, would you be on your knees and say, God, all I am for you are. Like, I'm fully yours. If, if you're able, if you're not, that's fine. And if you're not there yet, that's totally cool. This is like, this is an invitation to say, God, whatever it is here or here or here, whatever it is that could stand between you and I, I give it to you. All I am for all you are. And I believe that God is searching the world. In 2 Chronicles, it says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Is your heart fully committed to Him? He's saying, God, if, when you search the earth, would you find me? Would you find me? Like, I'm, I'm, as I was praying today, I'm like praying that God would go, as He's searching the earth tonight, and His eyes come across this little pocket of Mayfield West, and this random industrial zone right next to a funeral home, and scientists doing who knows what across the road. And he sees these hearts of these people who go, God, we want you here. All we are for all you are. Like we'll give you anything, anything to be close to you tonight. Anything. So that's, that's it. That's it. I, I, it's just a simple, it's not a simple invitation. I've, I honestly, I, I feel... I feel scared offering you an invitation like this because I know it's big. I know it carries a weight with it. It's not a simple, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all on the road. It's like, no, no, I'm willing to give up anything and that's terrifying and I get that. So can I pray for you? Gabby's going to sing. What will I pray? Actually, what Gabby sings, on your table, there's some pens and there's some pieces of paper there somewhere. And there's a chance for you to reflect. And maybe tonight there's a few things that you, as you're thinking about it, you go, God, actually, this is, this is what is standing between you and I. And when it comes to communion tonight, these are the things you're offering. You're saying, Jesus, I give you my money because it's standing between you and I. I give you my lustful heart because it is standing between you and I. Or I give you my desires for what the person next to me has that I don't have that's standing between you and I. Or I give you my family because I love them, but they stand between you and I. I put them first too much and they're beautiful, but I want you. I want you first. So Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that tonight as your eyes are searching the world, that as you come across this place, you'll see hearts of people are saying, yes, Lord, I'm here. I, I desire your presence. 
We know that you come where you're wanted and we want you here. We desire you here tonight, Jesus. And we offer up anything that would stand between us and you. And as we move into a a season of Lent, Lord, Lord, as we remember your sacrifice at Easter, as we prepare our hearts for that, Lord, we say we want to be fully yours. Not caught up in the things of the world or caught up in sin, but wholeheartedly yours, Lord. All I am for all you are. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.